Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Oh man, I was down in some White Claw at home last night on my couch celebrating that Dalton Connect performance, celebrating Tennessee's first half, and drowning away the sorrow of watching Alabama and Auburn combine for 85 free throws in their game last night. 61 fouls in that game. 61 fouls and 85 free throws. Good job, SEC. Drink White Claw Hard Seltzer to get over your anger at the officiating or to strengthen it responsibly. <laughs> Sam, what did we miss from yesterday? Thanks, John. We got some big news. Uh, big news. Big news out of college football. Nick Saban is officially joining College Game Day. Uh, he's joining as an analyst. Is also going to be contributing to some of the uh, draft coverage that ESPN is doing. And I think he's also going to be going on to SEC Network kind of sporadically, but kind of that main deal will be college game day. It feels like he will be kind of that next in line to Lee Corso. I feel like they're kind of inching Lee Corso out just kind of slowly but surely. I think they have to. Yeah. I mean, and I love the guy. It's uh, you, you can see it's already begun. He, mm-hmm. he kind of vanishes from the show each each time they do it and um, then comes back on for his picks and um, – I don't think anybody was too surprised with this. It, it, it's a natural progression for Saban and for ESPN. I think it'll be it'll be good. I, I look forward to hearing his insight, and I think it's a good play to have him at the NFL draft too. Um, I, I think that's smart. I hope that he is willing to do the job. Uh, I hope he is willing to come out and be like Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's somebody that doesn't really hold back. Dan Mullen's like, yeah, I might burn some bridges here. Getting back into coaching might be a little bit tougher, but, hey, I'm getting paid to do this job, and I am going to give my honest opinion, and if I have to take on some people and criticize them, I'm going to. Nick Saban, of course, not in the position to have to worry about getting another job because I think he's retired. And also, he could probably say anything to anybody and still be able to get a job if he wanted one in coaching. But I hope he does the job and is willing to be critical of people and to give his actual opinion. And he's not just up there PR puff piecing and, and like being the, the leader of the good old boy club. And I don't want to criticize anybody because, you know, they're former colleagues and I respect everybody and blah, 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 blah. I hope he is actually willing to do the job. That was my take when he got hired. I want real, you know, maybe not unfiltered Nick Saban, but I want real Nick Saban and his real football mind to tell us what he's seeing, who could be better criticize people, critique them. That's my big hope for that. Yeah, he's got the ability to just absolutely go in on a couple people, I feel like, with that role. And I think that's kind of what some people want to see, too. I think it'll be very interesting. Yeah, if he doesn't do that, he can just stay off TV and retire and, and enjoy his oatmeal raisin pies or whatever he yeah. eats and his Diet Coke and just sit by the lake. Like, if he's not going to actually come out and be interesting, like, I don't need – Nick Saban sitting up there and just yucking it up and laughing at their jokes. Like, I'm good on that. I hope he doesn't lower himself to that level. Yeah. He wants the headgear job eventually. That course, I'm kidding. <laughs> we should put the headgear on, on Nick Saban. <laughs> that would not work with him at all. It'd be so weird. He likes his hair too much for yeah. that. He likes his hair too much for that. I do hope at some point Saban just looks at Lee and says, what are you talking about? Why is this guy still up here? Somebody take him home. What do you think, Bob, as a former TV exec, at the way that game day has continued to prop up Lee Corso? Because as a fan, 
from back in the day, you know, of course, he is a staple, if not the main attraction to that show. But the last four years, I mean, it's been it's been sad in the few moments I have seen. And, like, his gaffes and slip-ups are make everyone kind of sad. Now, I do think the finality of him just being removed from the show would also make people sad. And it's kind of nice to have him there. I think they could keep traveling around and just put the headgear on him at the very end and let that be his thing and not make him actually talk during the picks. But... How do you navigate that as a show? Because you don't want to seem like you're also just pushing an old man into retirement and early death. Or not I, early death at this point, but just retirement and death. Yeah, I think, look, he's a, a, a bit of a shell of who he has been in the past, obviously. Um, the guy is beloved not only by a fan base, but also like the folks at ESPN. I think it's hard for them to say goodbye particularly Herb Street. Now, there's a lot of people who are like us that are big big time college football fans and it's like bless his heart eh, but we got to move on. The 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 analogy I'll draw to it is you know who hasn't called a college basketball game this whole season is Dick Vitale. Do you mm-hmm. miss it? No. Right? I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't miss it and that's that's what probably needs to that's the hard harsh reality of what needs to happen with Lee. I wonder how much Herb Street has in terms of a say in this, because he's very much a, you know, he's his caretaker, basically, on the set, and does, and good on him, he does a great job of doing that, and I think he really values that friendship, too, but I I do think it's, they've got to keep slowly moving him along, I, I, I just think he's... It's it's hard to say, but it's it's something we all face as human beings over time. But it's he's he's doing it in front of a country on TV. It's hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, I was gonna say Kirk Herbstreit is holding his hand, both yeah. figuratively and literally at times. You yeah, know, he'll grab him and kind of help try to straighten him out. But like, I I pushed back a little bit on the Dick Vitale comparison just because Dick Vitale was always a part of a game, and like you're. You aren't there to watch the show because of Dick Vitale. You're there to watch basketball, typically. Whereas Corso, at times, has been the main attraction, and there is no game to distract you from. Yeah. Like, you know, when if you remove Corso, it's not the same as removing Dickie V because you still have basketball on in the background. So, like, uh, to me, I understand the comparison, of course, of, and, and the point is just, hey, the legend's gone and yeah. time marches on. And I, to Vitale's credit... Has he been as annoying or more annoying than usual? Yeah, but like I don't know if his actual job performance has struggled much or slipped much, you know, from in the last couple of years, at least not noticeably. It to me, it always feels like a greatest hit. No, album, it is. It is know? for sure. It's uh, I, I'm I'm over him, and I used to love him way back when. I, I was I thought he was a breath of fresh air, you know, but thirty years ago, yeah, you know, it's, breath of fresh air in the mid nine, yeah, mid to late nineties, early two thousands. I mean the yeah. Um, the, the rock and jock, or the what is it? The jock jams, you know him on the jock jams. Yeah. It's awesome, baby, with the the stuff in the background. Like that was like the peak of it, and up until really like to me, like college basketball in general changed once like Tyler Hansborough left. But, yeah. Like that's kind of the tipping point. That's when the Duke rivalry, Carolina rivalry, became less interesting. That's when Vitale became really annoying. Like 2010 is when maybe I lost my joy. Yeah. Now the one thing, you know, the other the the other factor that will take all the the personal level stuff out of this is its ratings and ESPN is losing some of their market share on game day to Fox. And if that continues, 
that's going to be a catalyst. It won't be because it's Lee Corso's fault, but it's like they need to re they need to reboot that show. Basically, well, I just, yeah, I was going to say holding on to Corso is a part of that. I would say, like, sure, yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, I'd say it's, again, it's a contributor. I don't think it's the reason. Correct. I think some of it is that show, in my opinion, has jumped the shark in a lot of other ways. And uh, that, that uh, he may just be a byproduct of them having to really change that show up entirely to continue to be competitive and be a leader. Honestly, losing Rinaldi was a big blow for that show, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Rinaldi, Rinaldi's features every week were pretty good. And, and uh, Wojciechowski, too. Yeah. 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 Those were my two favorite guys on game day. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the last couple times I've watched it, I've just and I, I don't. I'm not their target demo. I don't care about the sport as a whole enough to really be locked in on Saturday mornings for that. But the times I have watched it, the pick segment in the last 20 minutes of the show, I just come out of it feeling bad. I just come out of it feeling sad and it's like, man, it's like it's sad what they're doing a Corso. You, we talked about Saban, and I know we're we're spending probably too much time on this, but the last observation I'll make too is. You said, John, we don't want to just see Corso be kind of a yes guy out there. At the same time, I wonder if ESPN's looking at uh, Saban. If I said Corso, I meant Saban. But if if they're looking at Saban as their alternative to Urban Meyer, and as much as I dislike Urban Meyer, I think Urban Meyer has really good insight over at Fox. Um, that could be an interesting fit, too, for Saban, where he's not necessarily, you know, um, a provocateur at every turn, but also just gives really good insight. They don't really have that at the moment um, as far as like a coach who's been there and all of that because, of course, it was way removed from it, obviously. Um, McAfee's a totally different person that they have on for different reasons. Yeah, I guess you have Herb Street, but I, I think that ESPN's got to be watching what Fox is doing and thinking, man, we've we got we to gotta change. Next up, Sam? Next up, uh, MLB is the next sport to follow into the Netflix documentary realm type of deal. Uh, the Boston Red Sox are going to be the next team that is being followed by Netflix. In 2024, they're going to create a Netflix documentary uh, following their their club throughout the season uh, and just kind of their a couple of their players and kind of headlining you know, what it's like to, to kind of go through the grueling stretch of 162-game season in the MLB and a little bit of those behind the scenes. Uh, and they're also going to be airing a separate documentary uh, that's going to be on the 20th anniversary of the 2004 Red Sox team that broke their 86-year World Series drought. Uh, but, yeah, the Netflix is getting, getting into baseball and kind of wrapping up and, and getting their fingers on all major sports, I guess. Hello, Netflix subscribers. Have you ever wanted to follow around a 78-win baseball team for 162 games? It's a very interesting team to pick. With only one player that you might even have heard of? Yeah. I, that's my question yeah. is, if you're not a Red Sox fan, why do you care? Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll watch some of it because I have family that are Red Sox fans, and I just will watch sports media like this because I like it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this is received. I guess if you're baseball, you got to try, but, like, why the Red Sox? Is it because you wanted to show the 20-year documentary, the 20 years later, the 04? You know, that, that that team was exciting, obviously. That team, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story in baseball the last, you know, 50 years. I was, you know, I was really roped into that one back in 2004 as a 14-year-old. But, like, was that the deal? Like, hey, well... We'll highlight you for a full season if you give us access to this 04 thing that people might care about. 
Is it just like LeBron James and the Fenway group pulling strings because they own, you know, Liverpool and some other teams as well, and maybe there's a bigger deal at play? I, I don't know. The Red Sox said they're not even making any money off of this. Yeah, I saw that. So it's just a pure marketing thing I, for them. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking again. If you think about the story, that's why then. If yeah. they <laughs> if they do it with like for you know with F1 and some of these other shows, they you know they they basically glamorize things. And so there's other franchises. There's there's a great subtext with obviously the Dodgers are spending money they have big marquee names and they're not necessarily winning at the level they should be I think that's interesting you know it's more interesting than the Red Sox trying to figure it out as a 500 team you know that's I don't know I but at the same time a franchise like the Dodgers may be like we don't want to do that unless we get money that might be part of it maybe the Red Sox that's the key thing it's like yeah we're not getting any money that's fine it'll just be marketing. I just don't know the fact that there's not going to be any money changing hands. It just makes me think that the Red Sox are going to have a lot of say in like what's actually in on yeah. the show. Like maybe that's a part of it. Like, hey, we'll keep somewhat of uh, creative control because Netflix gave, you know, the quarterbacks in the show quarterbacks. They gave them all final say, like on their cut. Like, yeah. Kirk Cousins and Mahomes and Mariota got to kind of sign off on what was included and what wasn't included. And for me. That's not that different than what you were telling me about on the local news. What was it called? The trans, um, not trans, uh, the Trubisky, no, not not Miss Trubisky. Miss Trubisky. The soccer, you know, we were talking about the pieces that run on the news that are like stories slash infomercials slash interstitials. Interstitials, yeah. Okay, I knew there was a T in there somewhere. Like, to me, those aren't that different than interstitials where it's, it's, you're posing it as like a news story, but it's really a puff piece or it's like a marketing thing. And these documentaries have all kind of become that. We're like, we're pretending like we're giving you the hard hitting real stuff, but really this is all just one big commercial for our product. That's a fair observation. There's another term for that too. It's called content marketing too. That's a, that's yeah. a big name in like the digital space for short form things. It might just be a longer version of that. Yeah. like I've lost, I've lost a lot of interest in the sports documentaries because of that. And really, like, I blame Michael Jordan. I don't know if he was the first, but, like, it was the most culturally relevant, the last dance during COVID, because that was kind of the only tie we had to sports during a time when we didn't have sports. But, like, the the five-part Michael Jordan, or ten-part, the ten-part Michael Jordan documentary where he's getting final say and not really looking like too much of a jerk unless it made him look good, actually. And then that kind of led to the Tom Brady and the Derek Jeter. And now it's like, hey, we're going to do these documentaries, but it's going to be our side. We're going to control the narrative. It's going to come out of our production team and blah, blah, blah. And now everyone does it. You know, I talked about the Netflix Johnny Manziel documentary. That's the biggest waste of my time ever. Where they're just like making Manziel look like a sympathetic figure (laughs) and like talking about his redemption versus all the bad things he actually did. And like, you know, (laughs) we're going to gloss over it. Yeah, maybe beat his girlfriend up. Maybe there was that drunken road rage incident where he, they, you know, she she accused him of really like beating her up. Maybe maybe we're gonna like gloss over that part to get back to him living at home with his dad and sister and like his redemption arc. Yeah, you know, he felt in Cleveland just because hey, he didn't try hard enough. He was bored of the NFL. He missed college. That's kind of they painted in there. Like, yeah, hey, you know, he kind of missed A and M. Yeah, I don't really have much use for those. So. I will not watch a second of the Red Sox documentary. I, I might watch the 2004 one, though. Yeah. Maybe. The 2004 one seems a lot more interesting. I agree. <clears throat> uh, wrapping it up here, uh, Tiger Woods is made, 
made it official. He's making his 2024 season debut at the Genesis Invitational, uh, the tournament he hosts. Said, uh, you know, he's excited to to be a playing host in the tournament. It's his first field event that he'll play in since the 2023 Masters. Um, back in November, he you know announced that. His plan was that he was going to try to start and play one tournament per month, starting with the Genesis in 2024. So this one will be telling to kind of see how Tiger's doing health-wise, how he can walk, and you know how his leg is holding up. Obviously had that, that ankle surgery, and that's kind of been the, the latest news in terms of his surgeries and stuff like that. Genesis is a, it's a tough course to walk. It's a, it's a hilly place, and there's a couple – a couple kind of holes that are going to test his physical ability. So I think this will be a good, a good kind of baseline to see where Tiger's at physically. Yeah. I mean, the car wreck at one point we thought was going to kill him. I remember thinking that whenever the first, the news first came out and you saw the car and you heard it, you're like, Oh my God, he might die. Then you're like, okay, he might never walk again. And then it's like, okay, he might never play competitive golf again. So like, it's crazy to hear you say, yeah, the concern is just whether or not I can walk the course, his course, his event. But, I mean, when you think about the journey, it is kind of remarkable that he's able to go out there and play competitive golf again. Has he said any idea what his uh, event would be in March? Um, no, I would guess that maybe it would probably be the players. Has he said what his event would be in April? No, it would just be the Masters. No, I know. I just didn't know if he would – like. Has he confirmed that he's going to try to play the Masters? I mean, has he even mentioned that word yet? Has that been asked? Is it no? But I, I'm I'm sure that's kind of his ramp up. You know, I'm sure those majors are the top priority on his checklist, and any tournament that he can kind of feel good enough physically after that is just kind of house money. I think. So you think he would play it if he knew like he had no chance of winning and like was just out there like and his goal was just to finish? Yeah, I think he's that just, just that psycho competitive. You know, I think he has that mentality where it's like if I'm healthy enough to play it I think I can win it at any point yes yeah I, I don't know he's just still got that in his head I don't think he can do it really but I, I think he's just got that I don't know mental I, I almost go the opposite of thinking like he would know like be self-aware enough to be like I ain't got it and I'm not gonna go out there and 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 disgrace myself on the, a place where I've had you know so many Maybe. good memories and stuff and like if I'm a shell of myself and I'm not ready for that and it, 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 I don't want all those eyes on me and watching me struggle what tournament did he withdraw from last year where it was just like he was – It was know, the Masters. That's what he, he made the cut yeah. and then, you know, was so far back from it and he had that stuff acting up with yeah. his foot and For stuff. For the fourth he was day. Like, I'm just it cost gonna... me a lot of money last year. I bet on him yeah. to miss the cut and somehow he made the damn cut and then withdrew. Never yeah. bet on him to miss the cut at the Masters. He's yeah. never – He bro, it couldn't barely walk. He's never missed the cut at the Masters. Well, I know the first round I, looked, I felt pretty good about it. I was like, okay, it was close. He barely made the cut. Never I want to say it. like I want to say like birdied seventeen to like make I think the cut. Did have a decent decent Friday. To, <laughs> yeah. I had a two I had a two team parlay with Bryson to miss the cut and Tiger to miss the cut and Bryson imploded and he missed it and yeah Tiger somehow pulled out a couple birdies and then withdrew. Mm-hmm. That stupid jerk. All he did was make the cut <laughs> and then like, okay I'm going home now. See ya. I think he broke the record of most consecutive cuts made last year, so I think he just got that record and was like, ah, I'm not feeling too good. I'll just I'll dip out of here after two rounds. I've ruined John's weekend. Yeah. Time for me to go home. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Well, I hope he plays this time. I'm betting him to miss the cut this time, too. February 15th, John. you got to get your bet in by then. No, no, no. I'm talking about for, oh, for the Masters? Yeah, okay. for the Masters. Okay. Although I will be curious to see what the odds are of him making the cut this time because you can – they always boost the Tiger because the people like betting on Tiger. Uh-huh. 
That's what I was thinking. I was like, you get better him. value from Tony. Well, I know. I was like, I'll fade. Sure. It was like plus 150 or something for Mr. Cut. And I was like, he's yeah. got a broken leg. He might not even be able to finish. And did just enough to get over that damn finish line, then quit. Yep. Then quit. All right. Good batch of headlines. Way to catch us up on some things we might have missed from the night before. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been. Nick Saban to ESPN. It was funny. I saw a, a callback to a message board post from the middle of December. I don't know if you guys saw that. Where somebody, I believe on a Georgia message board, was like, Saban retiring confirmed. I have good authority. He has signed a, I think it was like a $15 million deal. Pretty penny. To work for ESPN. And had that like back in the middle of December. Like, trust me, it's done. He is retiring after the playoff. And he's going to be working for ESPN. And everyone kind of laughed at him. And then... That is exactly how it played out. Now, maybe that's just a lucky guess because that's a that's a dot you could easily connect, right? Like Saban retires, and if he retires, of course, he's going to do TV, and they're not going to maybe release the actual amount of money he's making, but $15 million would be a pretty good guess. So ESPN lands a big fish. ESPN is going to be in pole position for you know college football programming with the playoff and everything. They're gearing up to launch their own streaming service. I wonder if there's going to be anything interesting they can do there whenever they're kind of doing their own stuff and how many options they can maybe run out. And maybe you could get a Nick Saban coaches show during the national championship or blah, blah, blah. But, Bob, we had another day to kind of soak in and think about the super streaming service. You said you got some takes on it you want to get off your chest. Yeah, I think that we talked about it yesterday, and I think the way – the industry in general and fans in general were reacting to it. It initially was like, whoa, this is a big deal. It's a game changer. And it it could be that still hasn't changed. But I think now that it's marinated a little bit, I think that uh, there's still some questions. You know, I I think the truth is that um, it may be considered at first blush, like a boon for a sports fan, but um, there's so many things behind the scenes that would still have to happen, not to mention, and we did talk about this yesterday, that uh, between Paramount slash CBS and Comcast slash NBC, um, and then also the tech companies that have some sports rights now too, um, live sports rights between Amazon and Apple, they're not involved in this. So there's still a huge chunk of this that is still not available to this uh, super team that they're creating with uh, with ESPN, Fox, and and Warner Brothers Discovery slash TNT. There's a lot that has to happen for something that's going to be introduced in the fall. You know, it's going to be app based. Who's going to build that app? How- wait, wait, wait. They said this is going to be out in the fall. Oh yeah, fall of twenty four. Okay, that's what they've talked about. I find that incredibly ambitious, to be honest with you, just from the standpoint of having to build a unique product and. All those things. Also, who's going to run it? They, you know, there's that whole notion that there's big time CEOs at all of these companies: Iger, Zaslav, Lachlan Murdoch. But they've got to appoint somebody that will head up the entity in general, and who, you know, who's going to have the biggest say in that. And then, you know, it, the pricing has come back out. It's shaken down a little more. We were talking fifty to sixty yesterday. Now they're saying it might be more forty to fifty. But there's this whole argument, again, I was thinking about it last night as a YouTube TV customer. I get all this. 
there, you know, and it's not that much more money to spend. To, you know, if you look at their base package where you get all the sports, it's sixty-five a month. Plus, you get all these other channels. So why would you change that? And and YouTube TV. This isn't a PSA for them or a commercial for them, but it's portable. You can watch it on your phone, your iPad. So it's 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 essentially an app. Yeah, I was wondering if they were going to. I, I guess I assume Bob that they were going to have exclusive content on this app that wouldn't be available on 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 YouTube TV. So that is that not the case? No, that's well. Then that'll spin into the ESPN conversation here in a second. But the no, that's that's just the rights to the live events. And those deals are already preordained, at least in the current state. Now, sure. that, that may change when they're renegotiating the NBA contract, for example. There might be some carve-outs there. But no, at the moment, for, for what they're going to launch in the fall, no, there won't be any exclusivity at all. It's just, again, they're trying to reach out to people who are going to be what they call cord nevers, people that don't really want to have cable. You know, it's a younger demographic. It's the Sams of the world and people like that. So. Um, so I think that that's really kind of interesting. Now, jumping over to ESPN real quick, not coincidentally, yesterday, Bob Iger comes back out and says, hey, just raising my hand here, ESPN, the streaming app, is coming. And it's going to be, I think they're talking about the fall of 25 for that. They want to get it out probably in August of 25. And so that's down the line. But that is, the promise there is it's going to be, an amped up version of what we've seen with ESPN Plus already, which is all sorts of other content. And so to your point, John, like a Nick Saban coaches show and things like that, that's that's the stuff that's not going to be part of this three-team or three-network package that's coming in 24. That's, as I understand it, that's, for the moment, that's just going to be live events, and that's about it. Has ESPN Plus lived up to what they envisioned for it? Has it been an, has it been a success? I know that might be a hard question. I know that's a that's a something hard, I guess, to kind of put in perspective of success or right. not. But like you know, I, I kind of thought when it launched, it was going to completely revolutionize sports, and so far, ESPN Plus it's made it accessible to watch you know other games. Like you're if you're a fan of a niche sport, you're able to get that, but and as far as like the big games go, they're all still on regular TV. Yeah. So has has it been a success? It's a good question. I I think it's probably been a success to try to create as much. We own the sports piece better than anyone. I think that part has been good, and they've done some great originals. You know, Peyton's Place and some other things. But the thing we've talked about is from a from a user interface perspective, a consumer perspective. It's still hard as hell sometimes to get it to where you're watching what you want to watch, at least from my perspective, because they hit you up incessantly with logins and I all this it. other yeah. stuff, right? No, I hate that about it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think from that standpoint, I can't speak to, you know, there was a pretty early adoption of it when it first came out. I just don't know at this point if it's um, – if they would consider it a rousing success or not, it, it makes me wonder because, again, they're trying to do kind of a, a reiteration of it now in a different version in 2025. Let's go to the phone lines. Jordan wants to weigh in on this ESPN topic. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Hope good, you're man. well. Hey, Bob, I have a quick question on the ESPN thing that you guys are currently talking about. Um, I had brought this up on overtime um, back there in the summertime when um, Oregon and Washington went to the Big Ten, 
I looked this up. My numbers may be off. You may be able to correct me on this, but it looks like through regular cable, the ESPN has about 73 million subscribers in the United States through regular cable. That's, Obviously, that's been yeah. kind of trending down over the years. Correct. Um, you said on the show the other day that it's, that's about $15 uh, is what these cable providers charge a regular customer to have ESPN. Um, would it benefit ESPN? Because you're talking about like the YouTube TV. I have YouTube TV also. And that it's preferable for us just to stay with YouTube TV instead of doing this. But wouldn't it benefit ESPN if they're going to do this app and charge 40 to $50 to take their channels off of all of those platforms and force everyone who wants ESPN to have to go to this app? Because you're going to, even if, let's say you cut that $73 million in half, but now you're charging 40 to $50 per person, you're almost going to either match or come close to doubling your money if only half the people subscribe straight to this app instead of having been through cable. No, I think that's that's really good logic, Jordan, and I would say that that is their goal. The problem is what happens with all these network groups, whether it's for scripted TV or live sports events like the ones we're talking about with ESPN, they always want to take that burden to hand, and that's traditional linear rights. And what they've granted to distributors are usually longer-term deals. And so, because they, you know, so ESPN or slash Disney, they want that money. And so, what they're trying to do is have it both ways. They want to try to migrate to a future where it's all about streaming, and you know, but they're not entirely sure what that looks like. I don't think anybody does. There's definitely a, you know, there's definitely a trend heading towards that. The cable universe is shrinking, like you said, um, but the the whole notion of them going exclusively streaming, I think they're building towards that. But they they aren't they aren't going to be able to contractually for. A handful of more years. That's just not going to happen. Well, that raises my question in terms of, yeah, ESPN's bottom line, like Jordan points out, if you're making $40 from $35 million, that's more than making 15 from 70 But would the leagues have any say in this? Because if I was a league, I want to reach as many people as possible. You know, yeah. I, you give us money, that's cool, but like it still comes down to exposure and growing the health of our league and having as many eyeballs as possible on that. Because that's something you know, I consider from the WWE perspective, going off of linear TV and going to Netflix. But, as we pointed out, Netflix has more subscribers. So with WWE, it's actually reaching more people by being directly on Netflix whenever Raw goes there. But this ESPN app is going to be a little bit different, especially getting off the ground at that price point. Right. And the other part we haven't even touched on, and that's a good segue to that, is you know, ESPN, Iger talked about it again yesterday. They are still out there actively looking for partners to help them create, subsidize this streaming product because building that product is going to be prohibitively expensive if it's going to have all the bells and whistles and functionality that they say it's going to. And so the, it's been well chronicled. One of the active conversations they're having is with the NFL to be an investor. So to your point, they're going to have a say if you know they own part of it at some point. They're going to have a really significant say. Well, there's also talk about the NBA wanting to be part owners of like ESPN too, right? Wasn't there yeah. talks about that as well? You know, yeah. kind of being a, actually having skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. Mistake. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. So it's. Uh, so yeah, back to Jordan's question though. It's that is absolutely the end game. They just it's it's fraught with challenges right now. They just can't get there quick enough. And I don't even know what quick enough means for them really at this point because there's so much that's still to be determined in what consumer 
um, trends will be three to four to five years down the line. You can imagine it's going to be towards more streaming, but what does that mean? Do they still keep a toe in the water with what they call linear television, which is, again, the you know, the Comcast, the charters, all those types of things. That's that's the part that's still to be uh, de- to be determined. It's 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 pr- it's a big mess right now. I mean, there's a lot of disruption everywhere, and uh, these guys are trying to figure it out, and and nobody's got any clear cut answers yet. Jordan, you got anything and, else? You know, oh, good. I was just going to say, just with what Bob said, you know, about the YouTube TV thing. I mean, I agree with him. I mean, it's the the app sounds great by adding all these channels to one streaming service as a sports fan. I mean, it sounds great to me because, I mean, I have YouTube TV because it was pretty much the only platform that I could find outside of cable that had 90 to 95% of the sports channels that I watch. And that's why I do it. Why would I want to, you know, cuss the core with YouTube TV to pay 40 to $50 to ESPN, but I don't have CBS, I don't have NBC, Correct. which, you know, has other sports on there that I'm going to want to watch. I mean, CBS and NBC, they're going to have a lot of the Big Ten going forward. And, you know, I love to watch college football, so we wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to watch that. I would just rather pay the extra, as Bob said, 10 to $15 a month to have YouTube TV to stick with that and have all the choices that I want. So that's, like you said, Bob, I think it's a great point. They're going to have to figure out, you know, that price point because, to me, it sounds great on theory, but it's not enticing enough for me to want to cut what I have to jump to them knowing I won't be able to watch everything that I want to watch as a sports fan. Appreciate the call, Jordan. Appreciate the work you do on X and helping us out with some statistics. Thank you, Jordan. Have a good day, sir. Have a good day, guys. Yeah, I mean, if it's just a $15 difference between not having to set up your antenna and change it over and – being able to throw on some rerun episodes of like The Office or Seinfeld or throw on a couple different TV shows and have that option, probably going to stick there instead of doing the super sports. Yeah, if there's nothing exclusive there. The last thing I'll say that there's this is this is going to be there's going to be some casualties of war too. And what I mean by that is there's a service called Fubo, and I actually uh, know the guy who started Fubo because he, he used to work with him and. He's really made some headway in the marketplace, and if you have any familiarity with Fubo, they've been touting that they have just as good a sports offering as maybe a YouTube TV or someone else. Well, they're now saying, based on the <laughs> off the heels of this latest announcement, they're they're like, this could be a kill shot for us. Uh, it could put us out of business, and it's it's a problem, and it's a regulatory problem, and you know he's putting a lot of pleas out there, and it's really interesting because again, they're more of an independent. YouTube TV has Google backing them. I mean, it's obviously you know they're 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 well healed. And so what's going to happen in this too? It's it's already happening. We talked about this too. There's going to be there's going to be networks or in this case distributors that are going to fall off the map. They're just going to get put out of business with these types of things happening. So it is it is a crazy crazy time in that industry. And then when you look at like the Bally Sports slash Fox Sports South, Fox Sports whatever, channels regionally getting bought by, like, Amazon. That adds another layer. Absolutely. And, uh, and you're going to have to pay your money to watch your local team. It, it's To me, it's surprising just because you had a little bit of what I thought might be a trend, and I guess not. Maybe you have to be super rich to be willing to do this. But, like, this summer you had a couple teams be like, you know what, we're taking our team – and we're putting them on free TV. 
But guess what the Phoenix Suns did? Matt Ispio was like, hey, I'm rich. I don't need this extra couple million dollars from this local Fox Sports channel or Bally Sports that's not going to work, Sun TV or whatever it's called. We're going to just put it on local TV because we think the more eyeballs we get in front of our, our product in front of, the more people we can reach that are going to come spend money at our games and buy tickets and support and help us, you know, I guess have a home court advantage and a, a big fan base that's going to buy merchandise and, and root us on. I thought maybe that might start a trend of the super rich owners being like, hey, here's more accessible things, more accessible things. It is happening. It is happening in right. certain markets. So, but then yeah. but now you have on the flip side, now it's becoming more exclusive and more yeah. expensive. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard to figure out what's the right path forward. There's so much activity and so much movement right now going on, and everybody's trying to get a piece of it. So, I mean, if you're Ispia and you're the, the Suns owner, and I know it happened in a couple other markets, but the, those teams are kind of slipping in my mind. But, like, yeah, it's easy to justify. Me like, hey, look, the NFL does it. Yeah. You don't have to pay for the NFL games during the week. And quite honestly, you don't have to pay for the NFL games ever, right? Because if for your team, if you're in the market, right? Because – contractually, the games that are on Amazon on Thursday still have to be carried locally, right, on yeah. the TV. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, in the home market, yes. Yeah, so, like, the NFL's not charging you to watch your team. It's kind of weird that the NBA is like, yeah, put us on cable, now you got to pay for us. Just from a business perspective, like, to say, like, hey, if the, if the biggest sport in the world, or the biggest sport at least in America, doesn't charge, where do we get off doing that? Is it not better to just have many – to make our sport as – accessible as possible to our fans don't you get a discounted rate with uh sunday ticket on youtube tv as well like i feel like that might be a little bit I of think a, it's draw. a place that lets you watch sunday ticket these days right don't I they think have you the can buy it rights? separately you can buy it separately on, okay. you, on youtube yeah actually not youtube tv you can buy it separately as a youtube product okay i yeah. feel like that will be a draw for keep like some youtube tv customers just staying with youtube tv it's discounted but but not a lot not it's, a ton. yeah well they had a really big discount when they were introducing it to youtube uh -huh. tv and okay. now there's still there's still some discount if you you know pay up front early buy the whole package but yeah it's still expensive sam sent us to break it's the morning show on fan run radio This segment's brought to you by SM Athletics. Oh, it's time. It's time. Spring sports are about to start popping off. Spring is in the air. Baseball, about to be time to be out on the diamond and in the stands. And the older I get, the more I look back on that. It's like, man, I wasted so much of my parents' time <laughs> going to play those baseball games. Oh, made them just go sit. I, there's one tournament I remember specifically, like on the 4th of July. 95 degrees out there. We're just there two days in a row, the third and the fourth. Just Friday and Saturday, just absolutely miserable. My brother's four years older than me, and I had to go to a ton of his tournaments. Yeah, that's that's something I realized, too. I destroyed my mouth, too, by eating way too many sunflower seeds as a kid. I wasn't bad. I never did the sunflower seeds. I had a traumatic experience with that whenever I was a kid. I, I put one up my nose. <laughs> And it got stuck for a while, and I was. Nice, yeah. They had convinced me it was going to grow out of my nose, like mm. a sunflower was going to grow out of my nose. So after that, I, was, I left the cool. sunflowers alone. I got stuck in my nose, and eventually it worked its way out. But that was a, 
that was a scary moment. But yeah, I wasted a lot of my parents' times at the baseball field because I, you know, didn't obviously play anywhere. Was never a prospect. I was always fine. Wasn't even I wouldn't even consider myself very good. I was fine. <laughs> but yet we had to go play all those damn games. But it's in the air, and your kids love it, and you love it. You might be coaching a team, needing to find uh, some gear, needing to find some apparel, maybe softball, AAU basketball. If you have uniform equipment, screen print, or embroidery needs for the upcoming season, give SM Athletics a call. Because if you're going to be out there in the heat watching your kids play, you at least want them to look good. You want your team to look nice, have good equipment. SM Athletics has excellent customer service, great products at a fair price, and when they say it is done, it's done right and on time, every time. Don't chance it with unreliable mega stores or online orders. Shop locally. Shop people you could trust that you could get on the phone easily and talk to. Give SM Athletics a call today at 865-966. Sam, what's the last four digits of this phone number? 865-966. What's the last four digits of this phone number, Sam? I don't know. Shaq. Bob. Shaq. 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 Laker Shaq. Laker Shaq. Laker Shaq. Laker Shaq. Orlando Shaq. And, and Laker Shaq wore what number? 34. 34. So the last four digits of this phone number is 3434. <sighs> if you haven't picked up on it, maybe the audience hasn't picked up on it yet, so I'm not doing a good job with these reads. 3434. Hey, to put a bow on some of this uh, stuff we talked about in the previous segment. SMAthletics.com. Um, Water Cooler Talk reached out to us on X, saying the only way I would make the switch from YouTube TV is if somebody else picked up Valley Sports to watch MLB games. And no streaming service has that currently. But, yes, what we were saying is that's uh, help is on the way. You're going to have to pay for it. But uh, Amazon's going to be offering that stuff up. Does your Valley Sports even work anymore? I was going to say my app, I don't feel like, because ever since, like, the, it went black right before the start of the basketball season or right at the beginning of the basketball season, maybe, like, game five or six. And then for, like, a week it just didn't work. And then the announcement came out that Amazon was buying them, and like now it's hit or miss on whether or not it's actually going to have the game. I've never had it. Um, you know, during NBA season, I buy League Pass, so but so I, yeah. I haven't had the need to watch it. But uh, Hawks games, they won't let me watch on League Pass. They say it's blacked out. So yeah, I have they to do go that. Through the valley, they, or a lot of times I just have to watch it on an illegal streaming service, which is go. stupid because I live in the market. If the Grizzlies are on that night, they won't play the Hawks games on TV. If the Grizzlies are off, they'll play the Hawks game. Yeah. So, like, then my, my Valley Sports won't work. My League Pass won't work. So, yeah, I'm having to just illegally stream it while I'm trying to pay for it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. The The other uh, uh, listener post we got was from The Real Jared. Uh, and he wrote, I thought the Braves would have been a natural fit for this Netflix series, seeing that the Formula One series was such a success and the Braves are also owned by Liberty, which is an interesting observation. Braves would have been good. And they would have been interesting. But yes. maybe it's one of those things like where the Braves are wanting to chase a championship, wanting to win a world championship, and they're like, eh. Or where's our money? You know, it's Well, like, that, that may yeah. be too. Yeah. But you would think, like Jared pointed out, like they would see the residual effect True. of like, hey – Formula One became very popular once it got on the series. And maybe the Braves are like, hey, you know what? We're already already kind of maxed out. Our, our ticket prices are already pretty expensive. we got a wait list for season tickets. 
we're, we're fine. We're a big brand anyways. We're already kind of a national brand. The Braves are a top five team when it comes to fan bases. And I'm not saying they're number five. Like, I don't know who really they would be behind nationally. I guess the top five is what? The Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, and Braves. Like, that's your top five? Uh, Cardinals. Cardinals, too? They're in front of the Braves. You think so? Oh, yeah. Without question. Really? Even with the TBS rub from the 90s? Cardinals might be – they're probably neck and neck with the Cubs at this point. I'm telling you, they are – their fans are nuts. That's a huge fan base. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I know they have a loyal fan base. I know they kind of are a team of the South as well. Like, it's either the Braves or the Cardinals. I just thought – Maybe with the TBS rub of having every game nationally televised for a while, that the Braves fan base would be bigger and wider in terms of oh, definitely spread ele- out, definitely elevated them. And, you know, I mean, they, you know, because they and the run in the '90s, I mean, they were really good. Right, right. Uh, they're definitely up there. I'm just saying that okay. uh, there's there's a couple of these more traditional, you know, franchises that, that it's you know it's it's just more generational. Still, Braves are still getting there. So top six fan base. Is there anybody else I missed? No, I think that's the Rays, fair. <laughs> the <laughs> no. White Sox. No, um, a lot of Giants. Giants. No, yeah, a lot of Giants like, fans. Giants. They're up there, but I, I, I wouldn't. I'd say the Braves are on a par higher than the Giants at this point. Um, Orioles used to have a huge following, but they, they're, they're coming back now. Obviously, but they were so bad for so long. I guess that's one of those things where I've just been inundated with it for so long and just being uh, immersed in the Braves culture that maybe I take their fan base being bigger than it actually is. Oh, it's big. No, don't get me wrong, but there's some that are just I've talked about my freaky. Pennsylvania friend before, but like when he came, moved down from Pennsylvania, he was already a Braves fan. Really? He liked the Braves and the Titans and, and the Vols, not the Titans, but the, the Braves and the Vols cuz he's like in high school, or I guess it was like, you know, in middle school for him, like seventh, eighth grade, he's like, I liked the orange and white. He's like, I thought the stadium was cool on TV. This would have been also around 2001, 2002, 2003, like when the Vols were good. But he's like, you know, I liked watching them. I thought it was a cool thing. Just happened to move there. And then he's like, yeah, Braves, always on TV. I liked watching them. It happens. I mean, when I grew up, uh, that's how I became a Dodgers fan. Living in Indianapolis was, I like my favorite color is blue. And I had a lot of Dodgers baseball cards, and I became a Dodgers fan. And I didn't like the Reds for whatever reason. And they were in the same division way back when um, in baseball. So it does happen that way sometimes, particularly if you don't have a team you like locally you're rooting for. Is Indiana a mix between the Cubs and the Reds? Kinda? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I'd say pretty much split, really. Yeah. I guess my friend growing up in Pennsylvania, the Pirates were pretty terrible at that time, too. So yeah. was it really a... A team to gravitate towards. Reds are probably a little more Reds than Cubs, only because Cincinnati is like not even an hour and a half away from Indianapolis, so yeah. people can go to games and all that. So yeah, yeah, that's where I drove to watch us lose the Sweet Sixteen. I was living in Cincinnati. I drove to Indianapolis. That was the path I took. I seventy four. Yeah, or the opposite, I guess. I went from Cincinnati to Indianapolis, not the other way around. Yeah. God. I'm not ready for baseball, though, yet. I'm not ready. The I know the Vols are very close to starting. I got my tickets loaded up in my, my app. I'm they good send to them go. to you? Yep. I'm nice. good to go. I got my tickets. We are, you, you bring up a good point. Now, I'm thinking for next week uh, at some point because pitchers and catchers will start to report. And I know it's major league. It's not Tennessee baseball. But we'll, from time to time, have a, a friend on uh, that – 
Knoxvillians probably can associate with, particularly if they're baseball fans, Lane Thomas, who... Uh, Guy's a big leaguer, huh? Yeah, plays for the uh, Washington Nationals and uh, is a local kid. Went to Bearden High School, but he's... Uh, He's been kind enough to say, absolutely, I'll, I'll come on from time to time. I think it'll be interesting, at least during spring training, you know, and maybe hear from him from time to time over the summer. That'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be cool. I guess I, now I feel bad about saying I'm not in baseball mode yet because whenever I was talking about that and then I thought back to that tournament, I was like, yeah, it's still basketball season. I'm still honed in on the Vols. I don't want to start thinking baseball yet. Maybe when Vitell and the boys get out there, though, that'll change my mind. We're very close to that. Oh, yeah. We're close. Hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three. Maybe we'll talk some Super Bowl. Maybe some Tennessee. Signing day. See where you rank. And then at 920, we got Coach Greg Polinski over on campus, ready for his weekly segment with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.